Can you believe it? Fall Off Reddit is almost one year old. I'm recording the first birthday special tomorrow, and I'm so excited. That's coming out in a couple weeks, and it is going to be great. And you know what else is great is today's episode with Brooke Hammerling, who some of you might know as a PR and communications person, but I wanted to have her on because she writes a really entertaining newsletter that I love called Pop Culture Mondays. It's a new year, time to shake things up, so we are doing something different on the Fall of Friday Patreon in 2022. Starting this week, the fifth bonus follow, which used to be its own little mini-sode, will be baked into the version of the show that patrons get. So if you're hearing this line, that means you are listening to the main public version of the show, the non-Patreon version. But if you're a supporter over at patreon.com slash follow Friday, you should go check out the patron exclusive feed because in that you'll get five follow recommendations from Brooke instead of the usual four. And if you're not in the club yet, but you want to support follow Friday, please go to patreon.com slash follow Friday. Any amount is appreciated, starting at just $1 a month. In addition to our patrons, today's show is brought to you in part by Timber, a service for craft-loving indie podcasters that combines coaching and hosting. When you host your show with Timber, you'll get one-on-one expert feedback from industry professionals. Check it out at timber.fm. And today's show is also brought to you by Repod, the all-in-one destination for podcasters to build their community. It's a new app that gives podcasters all the tools they need to engage, monetize, and grow. On Repod, you can set up memberships for your listeners and give them ad-free or bonus content, listener shoutouts, merch, and more. Repod is available on the App Store and Google Play. Search for it there or go to repod.io to get started. Thank you to our patrons and our sponsors. Happy New Year, everybody. Now, here's the show. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Hey. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet. A function should know. Hey. So let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. So now right away. With no further delay. It's Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, the podcast about who you should follow online. Every week, I talk to creative people about who they follow and why. This is a guided tour to the best people on the internet, led by your favorite writers, podcasters, comedians, and more. Today on the show is Brooke Hammerling, the founder of the communications firm The New New Thing. Brooke is also the author of Pop Culture Mondays, which is one of my favorite newsletters. You can find it at medium.com slash popculturemondays, and you can find Brooke on Twitter and Instagram at B-R-O-O-K-E. And I also strongly recommend that you follow her dog Potato on Instagram, at Potato. Brooke, welcome to Follow Friday. Wow, thank you. I, uh, you know, it took me everything that I could to not um, recommend following my dog. So the fact that you did it for me, I am very grateful. I mean, he really is in control of his own content. I just, I just sit back and watch and all. I, I love to see it when when someone's dog has more followers than they do. And and uh, to Potato's credit, he he's he's amassed quite a following. <laughs> I I have to say, I have several of my friends' kids who are. Uh, up and coming in social media, that sort of 13, 14, 15 year old who 
really just like to go dark on me and say like, wow, your dog has more followers than you <laughs> on Instagram. Um, and I, uh, I'm always like, I, I, I nod in pride and they are so shocked. Like, doesn't that embarrass you? Doesn't that humiliate you? Doesn't that make you feel bad? And I'm so, I just explain, no, I'm so proud of him. It's, it's worked hard to get there. <laughs> yeah, he has. He has. Well, I'm excited to be here, Eric. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. But before we get into your follows, I do want to talk to you a little bit about Pop Culture Mondays. Uh, yes. I've been reading the newsletter, I think, since the very first issue oh my God. Two, yeah, yeah, two plus almost years two ago. Two years ago, yeah two, yeah. yeah, two plus years. It's so crazy. It was such a whim. Yeah. And, and so, so, like, the way you describe it on Medium is a weekly roundup of all the news you're too embarrassed to admit you don't know or too embarrassed to admit you do know. Uh, but for people who haven't read it yet, talk a little bit about, like, what's what are some examples of stories that you think are a perfect Pop Culture Monday type story? Yeah, well, I'll start with the genesis of the newsletter, and that is, and and the icon of, I think, our, our sort of founding father, if you will, of the newsletter is Baby Yoda, or the mm-hmm. child. And this is when the newsletter really started, which was around the time that Mandalorian aired and Baby Yoda became a phenomenon, and it was, right? Everybody just, wherever you were, was like, Baby Yoda. And I have people in my life who are incredibly accomplished, have incredibly busy lives. They not only run companies or anchor shows on news networks, they also manage families and have children and have a million things. And I, you know, am fortunate in my life to not only have a little bit of a, uh, a an obsession with pop culture and an obsession with really unimportant news, I also have an ability to retain all of it. And I don't have kids, so I also have a little bit more free time than most of my friends do. So what happened was I started getting texts from a few different friends around the time of Baby Yoda, basically asking me the same thing. It was Baby Yoda and it was the perfect storm of pop culture. And then if you remember the banana on the wall with duct tape at right. the, uh, I remember Art that. Basel in Miami, this was all 2019. And it was sold for $200,000 or something like that. And people that couldn't figure out, they heard about it, they understood that, but they didn't understand, was it a joke? What was happening? And then it then it disappeared. Somebody stole the banana. Like, no, it was just a perfect storm. And I found myself sending the same texts to several people. And it was now becoming tedious and I was bored with myself. And so I sent a note very, I mean, I'll never forget. I was actually racing to go out to dinner. I was living in New York at the time and it, and it was cold and I was putting on boots and I couldn't get these boots on. And I just took a minute and I saw another text from a friend and I decided to just send an email to like 15 of these women, mainly women, and said to them, would you guys just be interested in a roundup email like every Monday of sort of like the different trends that are happening so you guys can stay relevant either with your kids or the people who work with you and really like a very strong yes 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 in a very quick amount of time faster than I could get any of my friends to respond before <laughs> so that's how it started and it was that that's the perfect pop culture sort of stories that then led to its genesis and pop culture to me isn't necessarily just what you would see on the daily mail right it's not just about it's not celebrity gossip it can play into it though you know and it it can be it in pop culture now being in tech 
we have pop culture icons, whether it's Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or Elizabeth Holmes. These are pop culture. It doesn't mean that it has to necessarily be glitzy and glammy and, and you know, all of that jazz. But then there's also all these, as TikTok evolved, as all of these platforms sort of started to see their own viral moments and trends and memes, memes on Twitter, uh, sounds and trends on TikTok, Instagrams that sort of be, had its moment, things that that people were saying on Twitter around topics, all of these sort of fell into that pop culture zeitgeist. And I've tried to summarize them best I can, this week being obviously the queen, Betty White, passing away. That was something, it's like, how do I tackle that? Because I don't cover every celebrity's death. It's not something, but it was such an iconic moment. People remember where they were when Betty White died. I thought, how best to cover it? Well, let's remind people who Betty White was, some of the things that Betty White said that were iconic in their time, but also how people reacted to her death, the different sort of things that started to appear online. And so that's sort of what I try to do every week. I don't I don't have any sort of formula or rhyme or reason. I just track notes in the notes app on my phone and I forward myself throughout the week. A lot of TikToks, a lot of tweets, <laughs> a lot of Instagrams and um, just sort of wing it every every week. But it's icon is and for the foreseeable future it remains to be Baby Yoda. Yeah, and I, I don't know where you get all these Baby Yoda pictures, but even if someone listening to this, even if you think you're totally on top of all pop culture, somehow Brooke finds images of Baby Yoda, fresh images every single week that uh, will, will amaze you. So for, for that reason alone, you should read Pop Culture Mondays. <laughs> and Pop Culture Monday, it's also going to be a podcast soon. Is that right? Uh, yes. No, it is going to be a podcast. This is the, the light under me that I need. Thank you, Eric. I will give you credit. We have been practicing. I have actually been working on a podcast I, I I'm sure you're the uh the first person to know this but podcasts are not f-ing easy they are yep. not easy <laughs> and I've been working on it we've been doing a podcast almost every week I have my friend Francis who is an amazingly funny insightful beautiful hysterical brilliant woman who happens to also have a very fancy New Zealand accent which I think adds a lot to a podcast (laughs) Uh, she and I are going to be doing it together and it's called pop culture Mondays on Thursdays and it's just a matter of me actually sitting down and and telling my producer, we're ready, this is the week we're going to go and put it out there. Um, And also just, you know, it's not like, I think people think that you just make a podcast and put it out, but there requires a lot of work once you've recorded it to go back and sort of do all of those things. So we can't do it on Monday, obviously for Monday, it wouldn't make sense. So what we're trying to do is sort of the pop culture Mondays on Thursdays, where we'll talk a little bit about the newsletter, maybe one story that came out of that, um, one or two, and then something that inevitably has happened since then, because so many pop cultural moments happen, like after I publish my newsletter, inevitably there's something Monday or Tuesday, like this week, for example, Elizabeth Holmes' verdict came in that's very pop culture-y so that would be something we would be able to talk about on the podcast before the next week's newsletter well i'm looking forward to that uh, like i said i love I the can't. newsletter and i'll put a link to the podcast in the show notes for people who want to subscribe to that oh god give me strength you are you are giving me the kick in the butt i needed this is what this is what i do all right well let's get into who you follow online um god. everyone else you can follow along with who brooke follows by uh, following the links in the show notes and in the transcript at followfridaypodcast.com it's Friday. 
Brooke, before the show, I gave you a list of categories, and I asked you to tell me four people you follow who fit in those categories. Your first pick is in the category, someone you have a crush on, and you said George Hahn, who is on Twitter at George Hahn, and Hahn is spelled H-A-H-N. He's also on TikTok at George Hahn NYC. His bio on Twitter describes him as an actor, satirist, and a quote-unquote urban raconteur, and I have a confession to make, which is that I had never heard of George Hahn before today. So please disabuse me of my ignorance. Who is George Hahn, and, and why do you have a crush on him? Oh my God, I am so in love with him. I, I really, <laughs> I do. I mean, if I were to, this is also probably why I'm single, because I don't think George would fancy me. Um, <laughs> just I'm not, I don't fall into his type. But he, I was introduced to him through the lens of, interestingly enough, Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway mm. and and on the crazy algorithm of TikTok. So I, it's like sort of this perfect storm. I, I can't remember exactly where I was when I first sort of clocked George Hahn, but I I think he was sort of in the background of my Twitter feed. I would see sort of replies to Kara tweets or, or Scott tweets. And then I then saw him on a TikTok because the way the TikTok algorithm works, I think you had a guest on talking about it. I don't even know who the people are that I follow TikTok. I don't even know who I follow. It just serves up recommendations based on what you've already watched and yeah. And or probably stuff that I've said and my phone's listened. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. It's, it's incredible, but it's the FYP, which is uh, stands for the, the it, it, it is the for you page, and that's what is literally the videos being served to you by TikTok. And if you've followed no one, you just start following. You just start going through the F uh, for you page, and. I think what it does is it tracks how long you linger on a video. So if you, even if you stay on it for like two milliseconds, that's longer than you would if you're just scrolling through. But if you stay on it through its entirety, or if you repeat it, or if you share it with somebody, or if you duet it, or all of the other th really cool TikTok features you can do, it tracks that and it'll say, oh, okay, so Brooke has now watched three videos of French bulldog skateboarding and a French bulldog. <laughs> dog surfing she's clearly into not just dogs but french bulldogs and she's clearly into dogs doing crazy stunts right so then it'll start to navigate that and so somehow george hahn appeared in my video and in my for you page and it's his tiktok style is sort of him holding he's very handsome and he's very chic and he's a new york city guy and he his style is him walking holding his phone generally in sort of like a black and white feels very sort of movies from the 30s sort of style and he has sort of like a, a leading man Cary Grant vibe to him okay. and then he'll just pull out something like really sarcastically where he's like acting as if he's like a Trump supporter and it's very obviously sarcasm I'm not getting vaccinated I don't need the vaccine because for me I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm juicy, I'm happening. Oh, really, sugar? Tell you what, do us a favor. Go have some unprotected sex, share some needles, don't wear a seatbelt, drink and drive, and please start smoking. Because you're young, you're healthy, juicy, happening. You got this. But some people might not get it if they don't have, so they think that he's then a Trump supporter, so they'll go after him. So it actually, I think, beat the algorithm because it would serve 
itself to Trump supporters because the algorithm <laughs> mistook it, him for being a Trumpy, um, whereas it also would go to people like me. And so it was very funny. And then he also started like this catchphrase where he would always talk because the the anti-vax people would be like, you know, for me, it's just not what I want to do right now. And so he took this whole phrase for me. And every time he would start a video or many times he'd start a video, he'd be like, you know, for me, dot, dot, dot. And he actually launched a merch brand around it. And I bought I bought six T-shirts and gave them to all my friends. And I love them so much. <laughs> I should have bought more. I will buy more. Like, George, call me, babe. I'll, uh, I want to buy all your merch. But then <laughs> I heard him. Then it turns out he's also like, uh, I discovered him through the lens of of Kara, which I don't like to give her too much credit for. If For those of you who don't know, me and Kara are actually quite close, but we have this very funny banter on Twitter where we like really just tear each other down. But then we... We also bring each other up. We love each other very much. But uh, he then was a guest guest or friend of Pivot. And so he's been on that uh, sort of world. So he crosses over as well. And I'm just, I find him so smart, so sexy. And really speaking the truth, he gets right to the core of the sort of ridiculousness of the anti-vax community and the hypocrisy, especially around people like my body, myself, like I own it, but I'm anti-abortion. Like you can't tell me to do a vax because I'm pro pro my body, but abortions are bad. So he like he really calls it like he sees it, but he does it in a really amusing, brilliant, thoughtful way. And he also I'm a New Yorker through and through. I left New York in the middle of COVID. I feel pretty much like a like I've betrayed my city, but I did move to Los Angeles. What I thought was going to be temporary and I did fall in love with for the moment, palm trees and you know, flowers and grass and whatnot. And I have to admit that watching George or following George gives me my New York City love like back and it makes me really miss New York. And every time he, you know, is doing one of his walk and talks um, through the city, I have that pang of like, oh, God, I need to get back there. But I've never met him. So I hope I do get to meet that fabulous, gorgeous George Hahn one day. Let's imagine that, that George calls you up tomorrow and says, Brooke, I'm flattered by this declaration of love. Let's go out sometime. Uh, <laughs> where, where do you take George Hahn on a date? Uh, again, I just don't think I am his type. Um, <laughs> but, you know, hey, anything is possible. What I would do with him is a quintessential New York night. I would... Oh, my God. I, first of all, would love to do a walk and talk with him through the streets of New York. Mm -hmm. And then we would obviously go to Balthazar and we would sit and have the seafood tower and French <laughs> fries and a bottle of rosé. Now, I don't know if he drinks, but assuming he does, we would probably start with dirty martinis and then maybe ease into rosé. I'm, I'm envisioning a summer <laughs> situation where we're sure. outside and having all of this fun stuff. Summer in New York is great. Yeah. And that's that's that is my quintessential George Hahn date and recording the for me, it's the oysters at Balthazar. That's how I <laughs> how I envision it. All right. Well, that was George Hahn, who is on Twitter at George H-A-H-N. It's Final Friday. Brooke, I asked you to tell me about someone who has stopped posting but needs to come back. And you said Josh Brown, who is on Instagram at Downtown Josh Brown and is also on Twitter at at downtown, although he has largely stopped posting there. 
So first off, you're you're friends with Josh uh, in real life, right? Oh my gosh, yes. He's the best. Downtown Josh Brown needs to come back. Explain maybe a bit who he is and and what he does. Okay, I will try. He is a complicated man. Um, (laughs) No, he's amazing. First of all, he is the most wonderful, from all I've seen, like he is the most wonderful wife and children. So he's an amazing family man. He's a classic, like just tell it like it is guy. He is a music fan. And incidentally, as much as he is a um, finance guy, which I'll get into, I met him in a concert in uh, in Long Island. We met in a music concert at a rock and roll concert. But he runs a wealth advisory company. And he's also how most people know him, a big anchor. I don't I don't he's not really an anchor. I don't actually know his role, but he's on CNBC power lunch um, three or four days a week. And like, a, like a pundit, I guess, or a commentator. I, I, don't, I think he is like more of an anchor. I mean, he runs the show. Like, okay. I, I don't, he's on there, but he's not, he also, he's not full-time CNBC. Sure. And he's not a formally trained journalist or broadcaster. He sort of just is such a natural at it. And I think I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I am very fortunate to know an eclectic group of people, but... I will tell you, Josh is up there with like, I've gone out to to meals with Bono, for example, who's the, you know, the the lead singer of U2 and, and of very well known and recognizable. And people will, for the most part, either stare or, or be, you know, looking at him, but they don't generally mob him at like if he's having a private lunch, but occasionally people come up. I will say, Josh Brown, he's like the Bono of finance. I don't know how else to explain it. People come up to him. They like they all look like you walk in and everybody sort of is looks. They'll give a nod and it's always like these nods of recognition or I love you, Josh. Or I've had people come up to him and be like, you look just like Josh Brown on CNBC. Did you know that? And so I've never, I, I mean, it's so crazy. He's like the Bono of finance bros. And um, he was quite, he has like over a million followers, I think, on Twitter. He's Whoa. so great on Twitter. And then I think there was just some little whatever. It was everybody gets dramatic and people jump to conclusions on things. I don't, you know, I think it was in the early days of COVID and whatever it was, he decided for his health and wellness to get off of Twitter, which I appreciate. I do. And you put that much effort into something and then you get attacked by people. It's sort of like what, you know, what's the point? Um, and he has a podcast called The Compound with Josh Brown, which is awesome. And he's great on Instagram. And he's also just announced this really cool festival that's going to happen in September in Huntington Beach called uh, Future Proof, which is going to be like tech and fintech and finance and sort of like South by Southwest of those things. And I'm really excited about. And so he's occasionally dipped his toes back on Twitter to sort of announce that. But his banter and his insights um, Mm -hmm. just around around life, around, you know, generally with the lens of what's happening in the markets and finance and tech. But he's just so smart. And I really loved him on Twitter. I loved the sort of real timeness, the realness of what he was saying, the insight. He made me smarter on finance and he makes me smarter just, you know, watching him on CNBC. But he's just such a real down to earth guy. You don't feel like you're being played. You feel like you really he talks to us 
not in a condescending way. He talks to us in a really sort of like we're in this together kind of way. And I love it. And that's a fine line to walk when you're talking about business, talking about finance, things like that, because there is such a like high-powered insider community that's a big part of the audience for a place like CNBC. But if you're able to cross that divide and get across to people who are not super well versed in Wall Street jargon or or things like that and or who who haven't you know maybe even ha- haven't really studied any you know economics in college or whatever whatever I mean there's exactly. so many people who need to be reached by information by by news about about business who just are not very well served by most no most that's media. exactly right I think you feel like you're if you're not an insider you feel outside and yeah. if you're not in the in the minutia you're not a day trader, you're not like following the markets like with every bated breath, then you can log on to that or see something and you just feel like, what? And and Josh did such a great job in sort of navigating that. And he does that in on TV very well. But I, I just, I loved the opportunity on Twitter to see him outside of that window. And I really hope that at some point, I hope 20, 2022 is the year Josh Brown comes back to Twitter. <laughs> Are you primarily a Twitter person? Is that the social app where you spend most of your time or? Oh, I, you know, I like uh, some of your other interviewees. I am on multiple multi-platform. Um, <laughs> I, I would say I probably lose most of my time to TikTok mm. uh, because it's just so delightful and fun. Now I understand the negative side. I understand that the Chinese are probably capturing all of my data and information, and probably have like cloned brooks running around in the in the metaverse but um, at the same time I just really love it people are very creative it brings me joy to see how creative it is and TikTok has really evolved I mean I remember when it was you know even before TikTok it was a an app called Musically which is primarily music which is what lent itself to why TikTok started around sort of music and dances but now you see this cross-generational you know moment where it's not just 16 year olds doing dances it's people in their 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s i mean there is a a horrible person out there on tiktok right now who's an anti-vaxxer and she shaved her head and did some video on tiktok saying like she's in camp anti-vaccine sort of making a um a a holocaust reference and an elderly man who i believe had been in auschwitz um, or at least one of the the horrible death camps came out on TikTok and called her out and said, yeah. "I am a Holocaust survivor. How dare you? Mm-hmm. Uh, how dare you do this? You're this is a, you're a disgrace." And then he was so beloved by the TikTok community. He now has these TikToks. He's like sort of gone viral and he's having fun with it. But he's got to be in his 80s or 90s, and he's out there using TikTok and also using it as a platform to sh- to sort of shine a light on bad behavior. So I love TikTok. I love it for an entertainment perspective. I love it from a creative perspective. It did used to be less about the imaging because like Instagram is definitely more about like, let's stylize our photos. Let's use filters, all of that. TikTok was much more about the realness. That's changing a little bit as, you know, as all things do opportunists get involved and they figured out how to create these filters and make people look different. I mean, it's crazy. But for the most part, the creativity is beautiful. Now, from an information standpoint, Mm -hmm. where I get most of my information, my news, my day-to-day sort of what makes me smarter 
uh, in this world is definitely from Twitter. And, you know, there's, and you know, as anyone, there are different verticals in Twitter. I mean, Twitter is a platform for which you can enter into the river of information at any given point. But you have media Twitter, where it's just like inside baseball of media, people oh, tweeting yeah. at each other. <laughs> and you're like, what? Or journalism Twitter, or you have politics Twitter, or you have sports Twitter. Like, my least favorite days are when there's like some football game that everybody's watching and they're like, no. And they're just tweeting things that like, I'm supposed to know and then I get annoyed and resentful and then people get mad at me. But I think Twitter is so interesting and I wish that people used it in in the right way and not in this sort of hateful, divisive way. But such is life. Here's where we are, 2022. All about divisiveness, I guess. Well, and, and people using it the right way. That's why we need people like Josh Brown uh, back on Twitter. Yeah, so, I can't, agree. Campaign for that to happen, 2022. And uh, and yeah, does he does he know that you call him the Bono of finance bros? Because that, that, that is quite an honorific. <laughs> um, I, I think I just came up with that. Uh, hopefully he'll love it. I, I, I hope. He did something, though, that, I mean, true, true loyalty and friendship. He talked about Potato, my dog, my French bulldog with more Instagram followers than me, on CNBC, on... <laughs> Like, was it Fast Money or Power Lunch? One of those shows. And all I know is I had no idea what was happening because I wasn't watching at that particular moment. But my phone blew up. And I got like (laughs) maybe 75 messages within five minutes from people that I haven't heard from since high school. And some people that are CEOs of very large companies that were like, you were just mentioned, your dog was just mentioned on CNBC. And I just thought it was amazing. So yes, I think he'll, I hope he will like the Bono of Finance reference because it's very true. The classic CNBC <laughs> to pet influencer treadmill. It's, it's a tale as old as time, yeah. <laughs> classic. As old as time. Well, that was Josh Brown, who has left Twitter, but uh, you can still find some updates from him there at Downtown, and you can find him on Instagram at Downtown Josh Brown. Downtown Josh Brown. We are going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back in a minute with Brooke Hammerling. Today's show is brought to you by Timber, which combines podcast hosting and coaching to deliver an incredible value to indie podcasters. For one price point, Timber offers unlimited downloads, two credits for one-on-one coaching sessions every year, and additional webinars that will connect you with coaches and your fellow podcasters. I'm one of those coaches, along with some really talented folks like Sky Pillsbury, Shruti Ravindran, and Jenna Spinell. And we love helping our fellow indies make their shows better. I hope you'll join us. Start your two-week free trial of Timber today at Timber.fm. That's T-I-M-B-E-R dot F-M. Today's show is also brought to you by Repod. If you're a podcaster, you probably have something like a Facebook group or a Patreon page, but those can only do so much. You need one central place for your listener community, and Repod is that. It's a new app that gives podcasters all the tools they need to engage, monetize, and grow. So it's sort of like Patreon, plus Facebook groups, plus a podcast app. On Repod, you can set up memberships for your listeners and give them stuff like ad-free or bonus content, listener shoutouts, merch, and more. And unlike a Facebook group, Repod gives you control and ownership of your community. Check it out on the App Store or Google Play, or go to repod.io. Follow Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday. 
Brooke, let's move on to your next follow. I asked you for someone who makes the internet a better place, and you said Christina Najar, also known as Tinks. She is on TikTok at T-I-N-X and on Twitter and Instagram at It's Me Tinks. You said in your email that Christina was your gateway drug to TikTok, which we've already talked about a little bit, but um, explain what she does and why you fell in love with, with her work. I would say that of all the people I've talked about, I would imagine most of your listeners have some reference point for Tinks. Um, and and mainly because she is that sort of cross-generational iconic creator in the sense that the teens love her, the 20-somethings love her, the 30, 40, 50, 60, people all have a reference point to her. And she also is cross, you know, she's not huge on Twitter. I think she only has 7,000 followers, but that doesn't stop her from using Twitter as a platform in a very smart way. And then obviously she's massive, massive on on Instagram and TikTok. And she's very clever. I think she's somebody who understands that this is a moment in time and how to evolve that. And I think that's really smart. It's really smart and it's really interesting to watch it unfold. She is a woman that is not the average TikToker when TikTok started to have its like really big moment in the middle of, of quarantine. You know, when I first started getting into TikTok, TikTok, like watching it, it was when I was in lockdown staying with some friends and their kids and the teenage daughter, hi, Sydney, she was really into TikTok and uh, but they were doing the dances. They were, you know, she was popping up her iPad on the top of the car in the garage or in the driveway or in the kitchen and she was doing dances and she kept trying to get me into it. And I was like, Sid, you know, it's not for me. I'm not going to do a dance. I look so stupid. But I did start to play around with it and get into it. And then I had just moved to L.A. and there is this video that this this TikTok and Tinks was holding a little mic that mm. she holds. This is like her classic thing. Yeah. And she says what your dog says about you if you live in L.A. And there was a picture of what could have been potato. And it's like, if this is your dog, if you have a French bulldog, you live in West Hollywood. Okay, check. You're power gay or power gay adjacent. Okay, check. I'm not gay, <laughs> but I have a lot of power gays in my life. And your dog has more followers than you. And check. I was like, what is this? And then what's the weirdest thing is she said, and his name is potato. Uh-oh. And I was like, holy, what? what and so then I put that out on Twitter and was like what is happening do I like I'm freaking out and Kara Swisher tweeted it and then it got so then Christina Tinks got wind of it through Twitter and she was like oh my god and I was like oh my god and then (laughs) I'm I was 46 at this time but I was I might as well have been 16 I couldn't believe it and so it turns out we live five minutes from each other we met for a coffee oh wow and now she's a really she's an incredible friend and um I I know if I don't know if she would say I'm a mentor at all, but she's certainly been a mentor to me. She's taught me so much about personal brand. I've always told people, whether they're clients or or friends, about how to use social, and I always call it an implied sense of transparency. Like, bring people in. You don't have to tell them every single thing, but bring them in, give them enough to where they feel really connected to you. And that doesn't mean that you have to go through your all your ups and downs, you know, especially people like me. I mean, I can have 18 different emotions before I even get out of bed in the morning. Um, 
and I don't want if I bring people into that, it's just a it's just chaos. But Tinks has done that and then done it in a real, very real way. I mean, she shows a lot of emotion. She shows she has given guidance to uh, people about dating guys, dating, dating in general and what to look out for and what to be wary of. She's gone through her own breakups and brought it to the public in such a way that it was so different for her. She was very, very vulnerable that I got, I think, about 30 calls and texts from people asking me if Tinks was okay. Is she okay when she was going through a breakup? And that just shows this like power, this impact that she has. And these were with people that never cared about anybody they didn't know before. Like this is all just through social media engagement. And she also then does these sort of rich mom series that are making fun of people. Rich Mom Starter Pack, Brooklyn edition. So you and your indie movie director husband are loaded. You're too intellectual for Manhattan. So you move to Brooklyn. It's what you'll need to fit in with all the other rich moms. Firstly, you're going to need something subtle, like a $15 million townhouse in Park Slope. You'll need a car. You're going to get an Audi. Even though you're actually from Westchester, who identify as European. You'll need 40 pairs of Golden Goose, so all the other moms know you're casual. By casual, I mean you spend $530 on a pair of sneakers that look like they got run over. And then the the funniest thing is that she's tearing these people down in a way, whether they're in Aspen or Greenwich or Palo Alto. But the very people that she's tearing down love it. They can't get enough of it. They are like, she needs to do my town. And so much so that she got Gwyneth Paltrow. And I'm sure it was, uh, I have no idea, but I assume it was a a paid for thing with her and Goop. But Mm -hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow came in and and took over when Tinks was doing the Rich Moms of Brentwood, which (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow is a rich mom of Brentwood. And it was the first time that I've ever seen Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, I don't know her, but in the public domain, making fun of herself in such a fun, really relatable way that made me be like, oh my God, she's in on the joke. I get it. I love that. Before buying some heirloom tomatoes and some gluten-free macrobiotic bread, head over to Tracy Anderson for a workout. I have to be front row so everyone can see how good your choreography is. Date nights or John and Vinny's or Baltair. Have your chef mix Goop Glow into your smoothie every morning. Or your 2 p.m. margarita. Just make sure you take it daily so that your skin glows like a 21-year-old who just got back from Cabo. And so I think Tinks is so incredible. She brings so much joy to the internet. She, internet. she also connects people on these different generations. And going back to a Bono reference, I will say that one of these things, like I went to pubs, I go to, I spend a lot of time in Ireland or I did before the pandemic and I love, I love Ireland. And one of the things that I just am drawn to is that pub culture in, in Dublin and in Ireland. And, and it was Bono that pointed out to me what you love, Brooke, is that that love of family. And, and look, what you're seeing is grandsons, fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers, they're all together at a pub. When I was growing up, the last thing I wanted to be seen in public was with my parents or my grandparents. I was like, right. get me the hell away from them. And that's a very American thing. Like, come on, mom, you're embarrassing me. Whereas in Ireland, it's about bringing cross generations together. And it's about grandfathers going and having a bag of crisps with their their teenage grandson at a pub with the boys. Like, it's just so cool. And I know this is such a weird thing, but that's what Tinks does. She brings these sort of people together, the rich housewives with the 16-year-olds, with the sort of, you know, superpower tech person, and they all relate to her in some way. And I think that's extraordinary. And it makes me feel really fun and 
good about myself in a strange way and and about society as a whole like oh we're not all bad and she's also like not beneath saying like oh my god i'm an influencer and i'm gonna open up and unbox something and uh, da, 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 da. she she's complex she goes from that into talking about that she graduated from stanford and went and got her mfa at parsons for for writing so she's she's really multifaceted is the best way i can explain it and i think it brings it 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 makes the internet smarter and it makes the internet more empathetic. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, on a platform like Twitter, there's all these silos, the media Twitter and there's film Twitter and there's whatever, sports Twitter. But like, like what you're saying is that she's able to reach all these different audiences. That's something that to an outside observer, you don't realize how hard that is. Like it's it's it takes such a... a you know, talented person in order to reach all those different people at the same time. Is there anything that that you have learned from following Tinks, either just from how she conducts herself or just advice that she's given? You know, she gives a lot of advice in her TikTok videos. Is there anything you've, you've learned from following her that has really helped you in any way? Yeah, absolutely. I think her ability, you know, the thing is that the lens, when you're on Instagram, generally, the lens is either like outward, right? Like my stories on Instagram generally don't involve me. They involve like images that I'm taking or video I'm taking. Now, sometimes the still like regular posts on Instagram or, you know, I'm in them, but it's really about the surroundings. And Mm -hmm. what she's done is sort of flip that where she's talking at you, you know, she's a broadcaster. I mean, in the most, in you know, modern day sense of the world word, I think of her as sort of a modern day Howard Stern slash like Oprah, like she's very broadcasting she's talking to you she's bringing you in to her world she's speaking at you directly and it's really really impactful and um and it's if it's done correctly like it's really really hard to be genuine and put that much energy and show that much compassion and um she also you know she addresses issues she calls out trolls in a way that's really you know not ineffective by the way and she gives permission to people to be vulnerable and so I find it really interesting I don't necessarily have the ability to do what she does but I'm I am it teaches me a lot about people's social graces and people's appetite for what's appealing right there's only so many totally like, selfies somebody wants to look at but when you're actually talking <laughs> at you to you you know looking at you through the lens of that phone and giving guidance or sharing feedback and then she's really smart in how she sort of parlays that into like her twitter stuff which she you know she, the written word is still very powerful she is a writer so it's interesting that her platforms that took off and she became a tiktoker during the pandemic i mean that was she's very new at it but that that you, it still carries over that her storytelling visually then carries over into her writing on Twitter. And it's it's very interesting. And I think she's going to have an incredible career as a broadcaster in some capacity. And I just think she's just everything. Hope, 100% hope you're right. That was Christina Najar, who is on TikTok at Tinks, T-I-N-X. It's Final Friday. We have time for one more follow today. Brooke, I asked you for someone you don't know but want to be friends with, and you said Ben Stiller, who is on Twitter at RedHourBen. Most of our listeners probably think of Ben Stiller just as an actor, but you said specifically you like the way that he uses Twitter and the things that he he talks about there. Can you talk a bit about uh, what are those things and what, what do you like about his his Twitter specifically? 
Yeah, well, I, like everybody, I was just a, you know, I'm a big fan of his humor. Um, I think his parents who, you know, we, we, you might not even know who they were, but they were iconic actors in, um, and comedians and, and Jerry Stiller. And I don't remember his mom's name. Anne Mara. Ah. And she was an actress and comedian and Jerry Stiller. And so it's sort of like I I just saw a tweet actually today that had a, a visual of all of these famous people that had their sort of first or very early on roles on Miami Vice. I mean, an incredible list of characters from Helena Bonham Carter to Julia Roberts to Ben Stiller. Oh. And I mean, Ben Stiller looks the same age that he does today. Like He's like <laughs> the Paul Rudd of, right. of comedians. He, he certainly one hasn't aged that much. But yeah, he's one of those faces. But obviously I know him from like iconic films like Zoolander mm-hmm. and um, A Night at the Museum. And I, I just think he's a darling actor, comedian. I did not know him personally. But... I started to see him interact on Twitter with people that I knew. And then I think I was really impressed with myself when he liked a tweet of mine or two tweets of mine (laughs) and then started following me. But I really dove into it. And I mean, I see him as an, he likes some of these people that have made their name as actors or as as entertainers have really become something else later in in life um, and known whether it's being an activist, whether it's being an investor, whether it's being an entrepreneur. I find it really, really interesting that people can have these second acts like Bill Gates, you know, despite what some people might think of him being a uh, a conspiracy theorist who's implanting us with with chips during the <laughs> vaccine. Bill Gates is an extraordinary guy. I mean, he right. really is, but he's more extraordinary now than he ever was with Microsoft, right? And Microsoft won't be the first thing on his tombstone. It's that he is philanthropy, uh, an, yeah. Philanthropist, in fact, and incredibly. Now, some people are the opposite of that. Like, I would have never expected the evolution of Jeff Bezos to be the Jeff Bezos world that we're in, but I'm here for it from an entertainment perspective, but it's slightly disappointing. Whereas Ben Stiller is an actor, and that's a very noble thing, and he entertained us, and he brought joy, and I loved his movies, but he is an incredible advocate for refugees, and he also has a a real, he's a, a very big. Nick's fan, which I have to say, he helped me understand why the people sort of tweet the way they do about sports. They're in it. They're exciting. And Mm -hmm. I I felt that energy and I've never wanted to go to a Knicks game before and sit on the (laughs) floor and like just through his lens. And I also like when people of that sort of world you know it's an other world right that that celebrity it's a very different and it's easy to bubble yourself in and to sort of be your own sort of celebrity world but when you interact with what I call the normals you know (laughs) us me the normals out there and you interact with them and you realize that you're learning from them as much as as you know entertaining them or whatnot it's a really interesting place to be and I think that's why it's so extraordinary that we have social media where you can this sort of bridge these worlds and I think he does a really good job he's following really smart people he's clearly interested in what people are saying about tech and about culture and about the world uh, outside of Hollywood and that was really impressive to me and he's doing it in a way that's not preachy or angry or uh, accusatory it's really all very thoughtful and it seems to me 
to me, for me, as my boyfriend George Hahn says, it seems to me that Ben Stiller and I don't know him. I mean, he could be an asshole. I have no idea. He seems adorable, though. Um, but it, it seems to me that he's out there really trying to uh, broaden his horizons and learn from new people and, and follow people that he wouldn't have had any insight or knowledge of otherwise without Twitter. So that's why I find him um, really fascinating. Somebody I wish I knew and wish I could go to a Knicks game with. I, you're making me think of something that I heard. I think this was Tom Hanks said this in an interview once. Where someone was asking him about like the, the trade-offs of being as famous as Tom Hanks. And he said, well, one of them is you can never go in the front door of a hotel ever again. Right. It's just like the, the little things that a, a, a normie would, would, would take for granted. Right. And so I imagine for someone who's as famous as a Ben Stiller, if they so choose hanging out online in a place like Twitter, that may be the closest they can get to, you know, just hearing people chatter, you, you know, just like the kind of informal, no expectations way that people talk. That's a, something that I think a lot of folks who are famous in one field or another they don't really get to hear a whole lot of that because they're surrounded by people who are adjusting their behavior because it's like, oh, my God, it's Ben Stiller over there, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I think that it's really easy. I mean, I do have access to, you know, a different world of people through just my social connections and whatnot. And that celebrity world is very, very different. You have to sort of readjust the thinking like, you know, you are under a microscope. Everybody's looking at you. People do change their behavior. They change the way they are sitting or they their eye, they're pretending to look at, at their partner at their table, but they're looking behind them to capture a glimpse. It's this weird thing. And I don't think it's American. I just think it's this sort of, I think it's always been that way, whether in the, right. the beginning of time that somebody that is famous um, has, has a, you know, a fat people are fascinated by. And so how do you, there was a person that was in my life is a, a, a still a good friend, but that I was with in England, who's very, very famous. And he explained it to me, but he was very famous, not being a movie star, but being on a TV show. And he says, I'm in people's living rooms every day. I'm in their TV. I'm in their house every single day that when they see me, they just, they can't, they can't, their brain alters because they're like, how do I know that person? And they're this, this faux sense of familiarity. Parasocial relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's that realization of, oh, no, that's that person. And then they become flustered. And so how do you navigate that and have a normal life? Well, I, I can't speak for Ben Stiller, but it seems like at least via Twitter, he seems to be much more aware of what's happening in the sort of world around him than than others who aren't living on social media are. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. That's always great to see. Um, but returning, though, to Ben Stiller, the actor, for a moment, um, I'm just happy to see him whenever he shows up in, in anything. He's just one of those faces, like, like I said. What is the best Ben Stiller movie, and why is it Zoolander? I, know, exactly. I mean, it is Zoolander, <laughs> right? I, I don't know. I mean, um, meet, like, what was it? Meet the Fockers or the... Uh, meet the parents, um, then meet the Fockers. Meet the, yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a whole all, series. First of all, there's no better, I mean... Other than Ben Stiller's actual dad, who we all know and love from incredible shows, but like his dad being Dustin Hoffman, could it be any better? And his mother being Barbara <laughs> Streisand? I mean, it's literally like that to me is so iconic. Like I just, it, and, and his father-in-law De Niro. I mean, these are iconic roles that could have been really cartoonish and buffoonery, but they weren't. They were, they were genius. But Zoolander, I mean, you know, those movies that just give you, so, like I will watch 
watch them if they're on regular like USA with commercials. And I will sit on whether I'm on an airplane or in, you know, in bed, I will watch that. I will watch that movie regardless of when I start watching it. It could be third three quarters of the way in. But I also do. And I know this is so weird. I love a night at the museum. I love it. I love it. And it made me makes me miss Robin Williams and think about what a fucking oh, right. genius that guy Teddy was. Teddy Roosevelt, yeah. Teddy Roosevelt, right. But it's such a clever movie and uh, it's so, it's just sort of, it's so iconic to me that I will go into a museum, specifically the Natural History Museum in New York, and I will think about that movie and I'll think about like, wow, is, did the whale come alive, alive last night? And <laughs> did Teddy Roosevelt, did he come plopping through on his horse like Pocahontas it's just so many things I think about and that movie just sticks with me it's got legs as they say (laughs) gotta revisit these it's been it's been way way too long I I saw uh, Zoolander in 2020 just like a month before the election and you you know this because you've rewatched it a bunch but there's a brief Donald Trump cameo in the opening of Zoolander and there was just like this this involuntary like physical reaction of like uh, but then after that the movie is amazing it's the right the rest of it holds up amazingly well <laughs> yeah that's right i mean there are always those cringe moments for sure but yeah oh my god i uh i, I love it i'm gonna go watch a little zoolander now i think that sounds good all right well that was ben stiller who is on twitter at red hour ben that was brooke's fourth follow recommendation and you can get a fifth one from her right now by supporting follow friday on patreon Go to patreon.com slash follow Friday and support us at any dollar amount to hear Brooke talking about one of her favorite peers in the tech and communication space, Ashley Mayer. Here's a clip from that. Sometimes I follow her tweets and I'm like, God damn it. That was so good. Why didn't I think of that? And I love those types of people on social media when I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I have the foresight to tweet something like that or have that insight? And um, that's she's top of that list. Brooke, thank you so much for sharing all these follows with us today. Before we go, let's make sure that listeners know how to find you online. Where do you want them to follow you? Oh my gosh, I'm at your, at your you know, with warning signs, because I, I don't have it down like Tinks or the others that I've recommended. I can be all <laughs> over the place. You know, I think I, it shows that I have like multi, multiple personalities, because my personality on Twitter is slightly different than my personality on Instagram. But um, in TikTok, I'm much more of a voyeur than I am a creator. I, I, I play around with it, but with no real intention. But my Twitter handle is at Brooke, and my it, which is with an E, B-R-O-O-K-E. And my Instagram handle is at Brooke. And I use stories quite a bit. I find that stories for me are more of a fun way of expression and in the moment um, than anything else. And then Twitter I use quite a bit with sort of random thoughts or sharing stories. And then my newsletter is really my my favorite thing right now besides all the clients I get to work with on my other stuff, but my newsletter. So follow that on Medium. Um, and like you said, medium.com slash whatever, Pop Culture Mondays. Follow me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ, and don't forget to follow or subscribe to Follow Friday in your podcast app. If you like this episode, then check out the past Follow Friday interviews with New York Times writer Kara Swisher, Planet Money co-host Amanda Aronchuk, and Zillow Gone Wild creator Samir Mizrahi. Follow Friday's theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodie Hermawan. Special thanks to our Big Fry Patreon backers, John and Justin, and to our new patrons, Jay and Odette. That's all for this week. 
This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. See you next Friday. Today's show was brought to you by the Lightning Pod email newsletter, which is where I share my thoughts on the podcasting industry, behind-the-scenes updates on Faller Friday, and links to all of the podcasts that I've been working on. It's free, it's interesting, and you can sign up at lightningpod.fm newsletter.